0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's 1980s week. Why? Because I've been watching Stranger Things. That's right, we asked you at home to pick your favourite film from the 1980s for us to review on this programme. And you have chosen The Breakfast Club joining me as always we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not our guest who has not seen the film it is Dr Sarah Curtis hello how are you Dr Sarah
1: oh, I'm pretty good how are you Dr Stephen
0: not too bad uh when we last left you on this uh podcast you were in the 1980s with E.T.
1: I seem to be living in the 1980s at the moment with mm. all these podcasts I've been on yes
0: uh it, it's almost as though saying the sentence I don't watch 80s movies has has guaranteed I said it
1: three <laughs> times in the mirror and this is what happens yes it is (laughs)
0: Guaranteed, any time an 80s film comes up, you are top of the list now. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, let's get in there. Um, So what do you know about The Breakfast Club?
1: So is this the one where they do the dances?
0: Uh, there yeah. is there is dancing. Okay. But... I seem
1: to recall seeing some GIFs of people okay. doing funny dances.
0: It's not dirty dancing. There's no, I don't think there's any dirty dancing no, in this. No, just
1: like weird people in detention, like yeah, doing you've, yeah, you've dances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, weird
0: detention of, Yeah,
2: the Yeah, the elbow well you were doing that no one can see. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's this it. is not a visual medium.
1: Uh,
0: yes, this is that film. Cool. Uh, so, so what do you know about it other than the dancing?
2: I mean,
1: do they eat breakfast in this club?
0: I mean, you would assume.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm assuming they actually don't, that it's actually trying to lull me into a false sense of security.
0: Mm. Uh, Oh, I should ask, because I thought of this question on the way down. um, If you were in a breakfast club, uh, what would be your... Breakfast du jour. I guess what's your favourite breakfast is probably the easier way of asking that question.
1: <laughs> much, what, much easier. Yeah.
0: yeah. What's your favourite breakfast? Thanks
1: for the layman terms there, Stephen, because otherwise I wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I like myself an all day breakfast. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm a millennial, mm-hmm. uh, so it should come as no surprise that a smashed evo with poached eggs mm-hmm. is my favourite all-day breakfast.
0: Okay, well, I don't know if there is any smashed evo in this film, but we will find out. Uh, luckily, we have someone who has seen the film. It is Georgia Smith. Hello. How are you doing, Georgia? I'm good. Uh, happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you. And for people at home, it was... Probably about a week ago. By the time you're hearing this, but uh, yes, a happy birthday. Feeling fine, living life, all going Ready. well.
2: Staying under thirty for yeah. one more year. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keep keep pushing it back because <laughs> honestly, your knees just they go.
2: They've you already know? had three operations. <laughs> it's not looking good. Well,
0: no, it's not. Uh, yes, well, uh, joining us uh, for for the final year of upright walking, it is <laughs> it is Georgia Smith, Georgia the Breakfast Club. Yes. You have seen this film before. I
2: have. So, so many times.
0: So is this is this a, a oh, oh yeah, this is I'm the G train and this is in one of my carriages? Is <laughs> yeah, this it's one definitely of those
2: one that I've like, it's not necessarily like I wouldn't put it in my favorite films, but mm. it's one that I've watched a lot because it's very easy watching and it's mm. a great time. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Don't know if it's like... Up there, like top five, might be like top 15. Top 15.
0: Okay. So it's, 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 I mean, there's a lot of films in the world, as, <laughs> it's as true. this podcast has proven over the last few years. It's true. Top 15's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, in a vague, non spoilery sort of way, what is The Breakfast Club about?
2: Kids in detention on a Saturday. <gasps> Scandal. Are
0: they in France, where school <laughs> is on a Saturday morning? Is, is this what this is?
2: No, it's somehow like extra torturous American uh, high school. Is that even legal? Who, who could say maybe in the 80s i don't know what was legal in the 80s mm. <laughs> it wasn't born yet <laughs> <laughs> i mean we, you know you, you did just have your birthday you're
1: still under 30 <laughs> yeah um
0: so so i, I guess because i have seen this film mm-hmm. once and it was many years ago i was probably a teenager i was probably someone going a saturday detention oh it was like treating it like a horror film but what is it about this film that that draws you in for for it being kind of that that really comfortable experience you want to keep going back to
2: i think i watched it like at 14 or 15 for the first time Mm. and then when i was choosing a film to study i had to like compare and contrast two films in my media studies in like either year 11 or year 12 Mm. and i chose the breakfast club and then my teacher made me choose perfect score i think it's called Mm. which is like early scarjo film Mm -hmm. um just because they were like the Brat Pack of the 90s-esque sort of like comparison to this Brat Pack of the 80s film Mm. that this was. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I've watched it a lot. I've overanalyzed it in high school media Mm. and then I immediately cannot remember any of what I really said about it. But it just like it's a comfort film because I've seen it so many times.
0: And speaking of comforts, uh, if you were in A Breakfast Club, uh, what would be your... Now, I've done it again. I've asked the deaf question. <laughs> what, what is your favourite breakfast, Georgia? I don't
2: know. Maybe, like, bacon and hash browns. Mm. I can't eat eggs, so mm. that sort of, like, rules out half the breakfast foods for me. I also love a pancake. Pancakes mm. are good. Pancakes are quite good.
0: Yeah. Um, I was at a um, kind of, like, a work training event this week, and one of the icebreaker questions was, um, what's your favourite breakfast? Or, what did you have for breakfast that day? And I had... Uh, very frivolously made a bacon sandwich for breakfast that day and when i said i had a bacon sandwich a room of 30 people just went oh like (laughs) oh my that's something we can do like yes we have this power if you want bacon sandwich every day probably not good for you but Mm. you have it in your power yeah um it that would be up there for me in breakfasts i would also say um porridge with uh, a banana cut up put into it I quite that's lot. very cozy yeah
1: but also yeah. that question of what did you have for breakfast today is very different to what's your favorite breakfast because yeah. for me yeah. i have a favorite breakfast but i usually don't eat breakfast yeah, yeah.
0: See, see porridge Sorry. with banana is not my favorite breakfast but it's the one i am most capable of making half conscious yeah. uh, uh yeah. that and cereal i'd believe that yeah they're, they're, they're the i two. eat a lot
2: of vegemite toast when i have to get yeah. up there. yeah
0: toast's pretty good but i feel as though and we will get onto the film, guys, but <laughs> I feel as though, like, banana and porridge and toast are very much winter breakfasts. Mm. Like, when, particularly in Australia, when you've got, like, you wake up and it's already 30 degrees, you don't want to add extra heat into your day. So, yeah, at that point, it's just like, I don't know, some ice <laughs> with some sugar <laughs> sprinkle on it, that'll, yeah. that'll do. I mean, uh,
1: I'm a walking heater. Mm. I, I i'm so many degrees hotter than any other person in general so no. adding more heat into my body is just not a good time
0: yeah no uh well i hope there's lots of breakfast chat in this film i, <laughs> I don't remember if they actually do discuss breakfast at all not
2: at all from my recollection
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> well uh we'll hopefully then for those listening at home that will be the end of our breakfast chat uh, and we'll get on with reviewing the film so shall we watch the breakfast club
1: Yes. Well, Stephen, it's nighttime. why are we talking about breakfast
0: I'll take that as a yes.
1: Uh,
0: For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services and prepare to mess with the bull and get those horns as we watch The Breakfast Club. I'm so confused right now. Welcome back everybody we have just finished watching The Breakfast Club and by we I of course mean Georgia Smith Hello And Dr. Sarah Curtis Sup Dr. Sarah was your first time watching The Breakfast Club
2: It was What
0: did you think
1: So many things Mm Mm-hmm I mean, you had to listen to my, my constant verbalizing of my thoughts, especially about certain uh, authority figures mm-hmm. and whether or not they should be in jail. Uh, should they be in jail? <laughs> yes, they should.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes, uh, I, I think yeah the, um, the practices of um, Principal Vernon will be discussed in detail uh, as we go. But, but in terms of just the film as a whole, it, it's always a, a, a bit difficult when you come straight out of the film to go, is it a good film? But that's why you get the big bucks. Is it a good film? Like, or, it, it, yeah, it's, it's hard because I feel like The Breakfast Club is such a hard film to try and pin down exactly what it is. Mm. And I think it is quite thought provoking. I, I suppose a more pertinent question might be, did you enjoy it?
1: I'm not actually sure yet. Okay. I'm still processing. And the reason I say that is obviously I've said this many times over the last month. I'm not a huge fan of 80s films. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that on every episode I've been on in the last month.
0: Even that on 80s ones, yeah. you've said that. It's
1: <laughs> like, hey, I know this is the 70s, but I still hate the 80s, <laughs> specifically. Mm. Like, I'm just, I, I'm not a huge fan of the just the filmmaking of that era mm. and the way that they you know they shoot things direct things act things mm. the scripts in particular i did have a hard time with the script mm. it was incredibly homophobic fat mm-hmm. um so a lot of like there was a lot of problematic there was stuff
0: misogyny you missed
1: misogyny oh yes my bad yeah. i missed the misogyny uh, how could i possibly <laughs> forget that you, i was
2: hitting you right
1: in the face <laughs> I, was, I was trying to go for the other things <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of problems with the script. Mm. and But at, at the same time, you know, something that we talked about as we were watching was the fact that it was relatable to a lot of teenagers at the time. Like, even me watching it now, I was like, yeah, I knew people like that as a teenager. Mm. Uh, you know, I went to school with that person. Mm. So even though I had problems with the script, it still rang true to me.
0: yeah. And and Georgie, obviously, this is one of your your comfort films. Yeah. Um, So did you feel comfortable watching it this time?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Uh, I ate some pizza.
0: Yeah, it was good pizza, actually. It was was very (laughs) nice.
2: Um,
0: But the, yeah, how was it watching it this time as a a newly minted
2: (laughs) (laughs) 29-year-old? Yeah, it was really interesting because I haven't watched it in at least a couple of years, I think. Mm. And I probably, and like, haven't sat down to watch it and listen to it all in quite a while and I was like there's a lot of problematic language that I think I just really ignored as a teenager Mm. and like because it was on in the background and I knew it so well didn't focus on it like Mm. when I was watching it throughout uni it was very interesting but
0: yeah I still enjoy it I I do find that with with these films from a lot of the films from the 80s and particularly films which are in the more sort of comedy area and Mm. it feels weird calling Breakfast Club a comedy but it sort of is even though it maybe ends up being more of a, like, teen drama film. Like, there are jokes. There are things which are written for humour. There are are things which made us laugh quite a lot. Like um, Brian's line of, why do you have a fake ID? So I can vote. vote. That
2: was great. It's my favourite line in the film and always has been.
0: Yeah, but it is interesting when you look back at comedies from that time period where, particularly in American comedies, there were uses of terminology which um, are certainly not acceptable now, 40 years on. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the f word that mm-hmm. rhymes with maggot because <laughs> um, i'm not gonna say it uh but um that that is a word that was really common in 80s comedies i remember when we did um mel brooks's history of the world part one a few years ago on this program there's a throwaway line that dom DeLuise says when talking to a character where he basically goes okay f word what's next in the middle of this scene where he's talking to a character who's being portrayed as homosexual and when i first saw that film as a teenager, it went completely over my head because it was in the middle of this scene. Watching it a few years ago, and I believe it was Dean love it was the guest who hadn't seen it. And when that line came out, Dean went, Whoa! Like just just <laughs> because it's not on anymore. Yeah. And like it, it is interesting watching this film and watching the way that they discuss things. They they have that sort of undeniable truth to the performances and to the way they're communicating. And the fact is that people spoke a lot more like that in that time period, particularly teenagers.
1: Well, even, you know, when when we were teenagers, Mm. I mean, you know, for me, you know, the the early to mid-2000s, you know, was when I was in high school. And that sort of language, you know, slightly different, maybe they would have said gay instead as an insult, um, would have been thrown around. At anyone, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and again, different words have got different meanings, funnily enough. Uh, but, you know, something like gay. Like, that was probably the most common one used as, as a young teenage boy. It was like, you're gay. You're gay. Like, that's the most common insult that you probably heard in in that sort of weird heteronormative Australian school system. But we p- used other words where I go, I do wonder if the word, like, pufter or puff will become similar to the the f word that I'm not saying mm. and what I might not be aware that it may already be a word that you can't say in some places or like i I do wonder about how that language evolves, and yeah, it, it did stand out it was one of the things that really stood out from this film watching it was yeah like language has our attitude towards language has changed quite a lot in the close to forty years since this film was released
2: yeah, and really like my my listening to things has changed a lot in the, even the last like five or so years Mm. like none of that language made me bat an eye when i was in high school watching Mm. that film for the first time and now i'm like there's just a few words that i just don't know and some really ableist language as well that was just
1: like off the cuff just thrown in there i was like i would not say that word ever Mm. so
2: yeah
0: and it's it, it does it detract from the film for you is is it something that makes this not as good a film taking into consideration the fact that it was made at a time period where that language usage was not something that was socially frowned upon as much.
1: Yeah. It does make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, just how casual it is mm. um, because you know, it's, it's, it's making an assumption that, you know, being queer is bad mm. or, you know, being disabled is bad or being fat is bad. And it's mm. making those judgments about people that, I just don't agree with, Mm. um, you know, in in whatever context.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it is very hard to to kind of divorce yourself from that thought process of like, if somebody was, if John Bender turned up today, uh, the character jumped out the TV and was walking around and, doing all the better i mean most of his behaviors i wouldn't be happy with but those ones in particular i might be going mm, okay buddy yeah that's that's not that's not super great get out my house like,
1: but it's interesting because speaking of that character you mm. know i spent the whole time going i know that kid like yeah. i grew up with that kid yeah. i understand him like i as a teacher taught that kid and i just want to help him
0: yeah i was a lot more sympathetic to him this time watching it than i last watched this when i was in high school And I think maybe because I was in high school and I was like, I know people like this and they're a nightmare. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I just don't want to be around that person. I don't, I guess I didn't really take to the John Bender character that much. This time you're like, oh yeah, no, he's, he's a very, he's got a lot of troubles. I mean, they all do, but he's sort of the one that's most obviously wearing Mm -hmm. his troubles. Him and Alison are the two that are really sort of openly wearing their troubles, but in very different ways. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's it, it, it's such a weird film as well because it it just sort of ends all of a sudden. And I, I, I was really surprised when the film ended when they're walking
1: out the school. I'm like, what?
2: The- yeah, there is no wind
1: down. Yeah, it's like, it just we, we're stops. done? What? But that's also how detention works. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Ooh, I,
0: I've never been in detention before. No, no, actually, yeah. yeah, f- Fully admitting, yeah, no, I, I I was a real nerd at school. I was... I wasn't as cool as Brian was in this film. <laughs> like, oh. Look,
1: I'll admit, I had detention once and it was a whole class detention.
2: I had detention so many times. <laughs> I was still a nerd. Yeah. I just talked back too much. I was uh, too opinionated. You, See, you messed with the bull. You got, got the horse.
0: <laughs> I
1: didn't talk back at all because I just didn't talk. Mm. So that could be my problem.
0: Yeah. No, I was just a little nerd, and that was my problem. <laughs> yeah, you were head boy. I was head boy, yes. <laughs> nerd. I uh, also <laughs> won a c- c- uh, I won my school's citizenship award for just being really nice, <laughs> basically.
1: <laughs> Which, that tracks. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, um, I was sport captain.
0: That, now, that still surprises me <laughs> you're one of the least sporty not least athletic but least sporty people and right? least athletic no I'm trying to cut you some slack here. No
1: don't <laughs> cut me any slack I did not deserve that position
0: um,
1: but yeah, I think it's really interesting
0: as well um, watching this film that where they, they have these five characters that are in five sort of social archetypes in school there is the jock there is the the nerd the the princess as it's called in this the um, the criminal. And, basket case. And the basket case. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, and whatever Alison was. <laughs> um, but but I, I do think it's interesting that very quickly this film establishes that they're not those archetypes, mm-hmm. not fully, and that those archetypes have very much been put on them by their community as well as subsequently by themselves. And it was, it's just very compelling. Um, it was just, it was just very very interesting seeing how they sort of were very quickly not those identities when it was just the five of them and they Mm -hmm. were starting to talk and they were starting to get past those boundaries that they had on each other and on themselves. Um, And I guess maybe that's why this film feels like it just happens very quickly because there isn't really a... There is a ramping of tension. We do get to the big scene where they all confess deep feelings that they've not exposed so far throughout the film. But it, it 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 just sneaks up. It really does sneak up that it do, it's not like a, a classic first act, second act, third act sort of drama. Yeah. And I uh, I guess Sarah's the, the first-time viewer. Did you enjoy that? Did you did you enjoy it not having a classical sort of or at least not an obvious uh, act structure?
1: I mean, there there was a bit of structure there um, that, that, you know, you could see. But I think the focus being on character was what I expected Mm. Uh, because obviously it's, you know, that locked door scenario where you stick a bunch of characters in a room and wait for them to break down Mm. because inevitably it always happens. That is the rule of drama. Mm. Um, So I knew from the beginning that we'd have the breakdown and they'd all confess their whatever's by the end and it would be emotional and all of that so I already saw the way that it was going to be structured I think
0: okay whose story did you connect with the most I'm curious like was there a character who you were like yeah no this is the character that I'm drawn to the
2: most
1: uh, okay, so I just, as you were talking about a minute ago, had a real moment of realization. So mm. the whole time we were watching Allison, yeah, you know, the quiet one in the background, I'm like, oh, I like her so much. Why do I like her? So sh- she's so cool. And I realized it's because she reminds me of a girl I had a crush on in high school. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Ah. And yeah, because I used to hang out, I hung out with the um, the queer stoner group.
0: Um, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we were also talking about, you know, our high school sort of, you know, situations before. And yeah, I went to um, the international school. Um, so it was a very sort of rich nerd school. If you were a local person, you're a nerd. Uh, otherwise, you're an international student. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone there fell into that nerd category. So we couldn't bully each other for being nerds right. because we all were. Um, so, yeah, I hung out with the, yeah, just the, the, the group of weirdo you know, queer kids who, you know, they did have drugs in their lockers, which is why when that scene happened, I was like, this looks familiar. Uh, not that but I you ever have did. have a
2: guillotine that
1: came down. <laughs> did not have a guillotine. Although I was once um, looked at suspiciously by teachers because my best mate Steph and I would have um, moments where we'd swap um, Stargate DVDs in our lockers. <laughs> and it looked like we were doing a drug deal. So we very nearly got in trouble for doing drugs. Turned out it was just Stargate. <laughs>
0: What's this you're watching? Bah! You should be watching the next generation. Watch that instead. This is... Get this crap half-cut sci-fi out of here. Get some good stuff in you.
1: Yeah, so that's what that's what we did as teenagers.
0: Oh, you are such a nerd. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But yeah, but, that's that's yeah. why
1: I connected with that character so much. Because mm. I'm like, she just looks so familiar. Why? And yeah, that's who she reminded me of.
0: I mean, she, she has the best character in the film. Mm. Like, She's it's so good. It's kind of undeniable. She's they're, Because they're all... Really good. Like the acting from everyone in this film, even Carl the janitor, who kind of feels like a bit of a why's he here sort of character, maybe just to give someone for Vernon to drink beer with for a few <laughs> hours. But even him, like he's got a bit of bite to him. Like he, he kind of bites back when they're like, how do I become a, a janitor? And he's like, oh you, yeah? You think this is great? Well, screw you. Here's what I think <laughs> of you kids and your puking and your stories. Um, but yeah. It, it, I, yeah, the character of Allison I think is just Yeah, she's very Ally Sheedy's very good. I she's mean She's so good. Yeah, she's and she's just incredibly watchable. You you even having seen the film before, it's kind of like I'm not sure what she's going to do next. I'm not sure what specific action she's going to do. And even when she leaned across and took john bender's knife from the desk like just in the yeah. background was it's a
2: little klepto yeah
0: it was wonderful it's <laughs> just it's just such a fun such a fun character it was, was there a particular story you were drawn to this time georgia having seen this film several times
2: and i still really just like brian mm. i just think brian's real cool yeah <laughs> he's cute
0: he is cute yeah Love that
2: he wants to vote and yeah. accidentally made himself 64 <laughs> on his fake ID. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Brian's quite an interesting one, um, particularly, obviously, with the reason he got in detention was because yeah. he was going to commit suicide, and apparently that's a detention offence. Well, I mean, it was for the, having the gun in the locker. <laughs>
2: and also setting the locker on fire. Yeah, because... That was melted a, locker at the beginning it is Because it was a fire gun, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I do find it really interesting... Again, think, talking about things which maybe we've we sort of aged out of, that whole discussion around him wanting to kill himself was dealt with in a way that I felt was quite realistic in terms of how teenagers would talk about it because they lack an emotional maturity sometimes. Uh, but it did also ring a bit not true. It Like, the the concern for his... Welfare didn't seem to be as present as I would assume it would be t- I mean, today. talking
1: to teenagers today they'd be all over that like, mm. I, you know, I've got teenagers who I teach and, like, they are so down with all you know, mental health, mm. everything and, you know, I've, I've got one who's basically like yeah, I'm, I check in with them every day to make sure they're okay and, like, it, one of them's got really bad mental health at the moment and I'm like, when I was your age we didn't know that mental health
2: was a thing
0: No, and... To to go back to um Stephen Platt's star pupil uh from, from <laughs> this was something that happened to me um my ten year high school reunion. So I wasn't aware that someone who I was um acquainted with at high school was going for a bunch of, of mental um health issues. And I had seen them for the first time at this reunion. So it'd been ten years since we'd seen and um as we were leaving yeah ellen was there my, my wife who i didn't go to high school with and so she'd seen me with all these people i was friends with and it was it was nice um this this lady came up to me and she went hi she i just wanted to catch you before i went um she said basically high school was a really rough time for me and i had a really bad um time doing it she said but you're always very nice so she was like we weren't really because we weren't really like good friends or anything but she said you just always said hello in the in the corridor every day and she was like i just wanted to know that that was really nice and i kind of needed that and i was like oh thank you it was really nice meanwhile ellen's just like crying (laughs) (laughs) going like what did you do to this (laughs) kind of thing um but yeah it's it was um yeah but the thing is is like at that time as 16 17 year old me i was not aware of anyone having those sorts of issues because the way that we talked about mental health when we were in high school in the 2000s it it wasn't it wasn't as much in the, the zeitgeist in the common knowledge like you were aware that there was from my experience i was aware that mental health was a thing but it, that it seemed to happen to other people and even not really people who i knew that well and i know now that that's a big old lie i was just very ignorant of it and that it wasn't communicated to me and i think it's really interesting looking at this film talking about it it feels sort of similar in that sense where they they all know that they're troubled and they're all troubled by things but they do feel quite ignorant of what Mental health is to an extent. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And we was sort of going back to that, sort of our own experiences at kids. Like, I know for a fact, looking back, that I was on a watch list at one of my schools. Okay. Um, because, you know, I'd have counselors just randomly like take me out of class, I'm like, okay, so, you know, do you want to talk? Like, you know, tell us all about, you know, what you're going through right now. I was like, um, I don't know. Things are a bit rough, but that's what life is like, right? But, you know, it was the sort of thing that I wouldn't have even thought about talking about with my friends. Like I self-diagnosed myself as having depression at 12 and then got it confirmed like many years later by mental health, you know, actual professionals like, mm. Oh yeah, you know, you, you've probably had this for a while. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Um, but it just wouldn't have occurred to me to, to talk to other teenagers at the time about it because how could they possibly understand mm. <laughs>
2: shit like that? Yeah. You know, it just wasn't something you talked about. Yeah. My school had a lot of stuff going on, so I feel like we were like in a different sort of like, area where we were like starting to talk about it because we are like, no one is and we need to, and it's getting to the point where we have to talk about it. Yeah. Mm. So there's too much going on. <laughs> yeah.
0: And again, it's, it's not like the, the focal point of this film. Yeah. But I do find it really interesting how it's broached upon. And I feel, again, if you were making an equivalent of The Breakfast Club today... Uh, something that was looking at, you know, five people that don't really talk to each other all getting together and learning that they have more in common than they first thought. I I feel as though that mental health and how they approach mental health would be maybe more front and centre in the film, perhaps. It's, yeah, I I, I don't know. It's, It's just really interesting. Like, I was a lot more invested in all of their stories. I'd forgotten that Emilio Estevez was even in this film, but now I'm like... Yeah, Andrew's got... The character of Andrew has got some really, like, choice scenes and some really... Yeah. There's a lot going on with that character, which I just hadn't really remembered from watching it previously because I was too busy being distracted by John Bender pumping his fist in the air or or Vernon giving people the horn or something.
1: <laughs> Please fire that man. <laughs> okay,
0: we should talk about Principal Vernon. Um, Principal Richard Dick Vernon, uh, Sarah. Um look being a high school principal is hard and he he was clearly keeping those rabble rousers in line wasn't he sure <laughs> okay truthfully um what a bad teacher
1: so bad <laughs> oh my so god bad. like every time he said anything he should have been like either fired or been sent to prison like mm. that scene where he's got oh what's a bender, bender. Hmm. john bender on his own yeah Everything that came out of his mouth should have sent him to prison. Mm. And the way that, you know, he's got a kid literally cowering on the floor and not responding because he's, you know, he's basically like shutting down because of his trauma. Mm. It's like, yeah, and now this adult is yelling, punch me, punch me, I'm going to punch you. And, you know, this kid obviously comes from a terrible family life. Mm. That's how you're going to engage with him? Please send him to prison.
0: Yeah, it's it's so fascinating because obviously the, the the 80s movie trope of the super vindictive principal is is not specific to this film. I mean Ferris Bueller's got a, a fantastic yeah. one trying to catch Ferris out the entire time. <laughs> uh and even though um there are, you know, some slightly problematic elements with that. It's much more the principal in Ferris Bueller is almost like dick dastardly basically, <laughs> just going around going
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it.
0: Yeah, whereas in this, he's a psychopath. He's just...
1: He shouldn't be allowed near kids uh, no. at all. Or, we'll just, you know, other human beings. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah, Even
2: the way that he reacts with the ja- like, interacts with the janitor, you're like, this is just... He's just on here. He's just not okay.
0: I really liked how shady he and the janitor were <laughs> with each other, though, because we get the sense the janitor's a little bit sus. But then when the janitor catches him snooping through the files, and he's like, mm, what are you going to give me to keep me quiet? It felt like I was in a 30s noir film <laughs> all of a sudden. It was great. But Vernon's just... I know it's exaggerated, obviously, because the film really needs an antagonist for for the sense of danger or drama to be there. Um, but, but I feel like it was maybe turned up a bit high. Just a
1: bit. Look, <laughs> I've been a teacher for 15 years mm. and I've worked with a lot of troubled kids in that time. Mm. And if I had done even one of the things he had done... Mm. I would have been fired. You're not adapting
2: I... mess with the bull, get the horns, is your new catchphrase? <laughs> Funnily enough, no. Again, <laughs> yeah. fired, jail, whatever.
0: Mm. It's not a good catchphrase. <laughs> he said so many things that were just ever so slightly like double entendre as well. He was like, um, grab wood. Yeah, grab the
2: wood. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? He was just telling like to take a seat, but there was a way to say yeah, it like, hey. And why weren't the 16 year olds sniggering at that? Know, because 16 year olds would snigger so at that.
0: Yeah, I think there was just so like, much. I was sniggering at that. There was so much <laughs> to know. choose from. They probably were all sniggered out by the time <laughs> he said that. Yeah, he's a real piece of work, though. And um, and the, it's really unsatisfying that he gets no comeuppance.
2: Yeah, the only satisfying thing that happens to him is that his coffee spills all over his sandwich. <laughs> yeah. and while he's, he's got, got orange in his mouth. Yeah, and he's
0: going, oh, basically. <laughs> and his coffee
2: looked like Vegemite. Yeah, it, was yeah, like it looked like slush. It, looked it was like, like tar, just coffee.
0: Really. It's just gross. <laughs> it, was like, it looked like it was breaking out. It was some sort of <laughs> living creature that was trying to get out the flask. It was awful. Um, I'm presuming he made it himself. I'm presuming he's not married based on just how. Oh, I reckon he's one he is. of those
1: guys who married his high school sweetheart and is horrible to her. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. Terrible, terrible man. Great performance. Mm, just yeah. wonderful. Uh, and like, just like a good. Nice to have a villain with no redeeming features um every now and then but but in the context of someone who is in a school with in a position of power over these young and we discover quite fragile people really horrifying implications
1: well also he had that line about oh you know when when i'm old these kids are going to be running the country and that's not how america works (laughs) like look at how old their presidents are like obama was the youngest by several decades Mm. like usually they're in their 80s when they're in charge of the country. So, yeah. no, those kids, they're still not in charge. It's 40 years later, mm. uh, and they're still waiting. Yeah.
0: Also, I don't think any of them are particularly going to be entering into high positions of government or, or power. <laughs> you never
1: know. Uh, you never know. But well, I mean, you know,
2: Brian's been voting since he was yeah. 14. That's true, <laughs>
0: with actually, the yeah. With
1: the neoliberal bootstraps mentality, if they only worked a little bit harder, <sighs> you know, they could succeed.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And, um, yeah, and Andrew did look a lot like president martin sheen from west wing or whatever, his <laughs> that. Cha- whatever his character's name was um yeah. president bartlett
1: president bartlett, yeah that's
0: he, right he did look like president bartlett which is i don't know where that connection is. i, I couldn't even think <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah it, it, yeah vernon's just i think john hughes films had a really good sense of the fact that the times they would the, obviously because this was the middle of the 80s when this film was made this was right in the middle of like yeah Reagan's the president, and everything that's attached with that is is great. You know, it's a time of like growth and greed is good, and all of these things. And and it's I I feel like yeah, J- John Hughes had a really good sense of going. Yeah, this this whole sort of gloss on our social structure is really covering up a lot of a lot of shit, and that his mm-hmm. films really got into that disaffected youth, um, mentality. In, in a way that was, was very effective. I mean, you know, there's a reason that this film and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Sixteen Candles and a lot of these other films that he made are, are so well-revered and were so well-liked by people who were that age at the time because they, they really resonated. They, they did resonate with the fact that their experience of what their society was like was not great. And, like, I think that's really well exemplified when Andrew says to Alison when he figures out that she's being badly treated by her parents, he goes, what do they do to you? Just saying in that sentence that he is also badly treated without mm. actually saying it, it's, it's really well done.
1: See, I had a bit of a problem with that line. Yeah. Because 20 minutes earlier, when the guy whose name I keep forgetting, John Bender... Bender. Mm. Yeah, when when he was talking about his family life, he he, he basically he didn't believe him. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a, a very clear situation of abuse. He's like, "Oh, you're clearly lying," mm. but a cute girl suddenly says that she's in a bad situation. Oh, she, you know, mm. well, I want to get in there, so you know, tell me all about it.
0: I I can certainly see that reading, um, I and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it, but I do think that because it was set up from the very beginning that Bender and Andrew were antagonistic. That when it's revealed, when Bender does it, it makes sense that Andrew's like bullshit. Cause they're still arguing. Like they're still in the middle of this dick measuring contest that yeah, they're basically quite having. Quite early on as well. And, and he's, like, and it's he's only... trying
2: to big man himself. Yeah. He's trying to mm. stop Bender from being the biggest man in the room.
0: Particularly because obviously the implications with what we learn later about what his dad has forced on him, like he victory at all costs kind of thing and he does believe Bender once Bender shows him the physical cigar burn.
1: Shouldn't need to have to show proof. Well, believe abuse victims.
0: Well, no, not in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly though, that's that's yeah. that was not, the mindset. That's not the mindset. Still not the mindset. Yeah, like, still not Yeah. The yeah. But but the fact is is like and and also, you know, like again, to tie into one of the themes of this film of misogyny, it's much easier to believe that a woman's been victimized than a man. And particularly a guy who he's up against and he's like, John Bender's a big guy and he's like, there's no way you could be abused, you're a big guy whereas if uh, Alison comes up, you know, this sort of frail pair of floating black eyes with (laughs) stealing everything around her I can absolutely see why he would more willingly believe that, particularly because He's already had the conversation with John Bender, yeah,
2: and it's it's a very clear learning yeah. curve for yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah, they've gotten just... high, they've done some dancing. There's a whole lot of stuff that's yeah. happened. Yeah. But
0: I but I also don't disagree that it's also the ooh, not a hubba hubba, but kind of yeah. like a
2: I can fix you. But well, maybe
1: or uh, you know our our trauma our trauma brings us together. Yeah, yeah. And which it does because they're randomly together by the end because she's suddenly sexy. She was sexier earlier in the film, but maybe that's just me.
0: I saw them as children at school and didn't try and objectify them <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, sir. Um, but, but, no, but you are right. He does, they, they do the very sort of classic thing with the 80s where somebody has a makeover and all of a sudden they fit the social norms that they're all trying to reject and they like them more. Um, and that, it does ring a bit hollow. But the, the fact those two characters connected doesn't necessarily ring hollow. Just the way it's presented in the film makes me go, ah. Well,
1: Ah, uh, we've got to get someone together. Well,
0: they've got two sets of people together. They got three. Brian got together with his essay, and, <laughs> and uh yeah, with Bender and Claire. Which I I totally bought much more as the oh,
1: that was that was there cut, from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah, though yeah. that was always going to happen.
0: You know, as the the car crash relationship, where it's like, yeah, my dad really won't like you. Tee hee hee, like that kind of thing was like that. That worked really well for the attitudes of those characters. They're not staying together, but yeah. it's it's a high school. I don't think romance. any of the
2: characters are staying together no, I mean they're, they're, they're talking about and I like that they yeah. talk about it and you just like yeah that's exactly how it's going to happen yeah and that's they talk about is. the fact
0: they might not even be friends on Monday because of yeah. the social structures which again once again I as I do most mornings I, I sat there going I'm really glad I don't live in the United States of America <laughs> like and specifically that I didn't go through their school system because that's just a lot of trash nonsense <laughs>
2: Yeah, it wasn't great going through our school system, but at least it wasn't like dictated to you what yeah. this, like class you fit into, yeah. and then well, what you were like who and who you weren't allowed to meet. Yeah, because
0: like, because I mean, I I went to school in the UK and I went to school here, and those sort of class systems exist, but they're very by by comparison to the American system, yeah, very diffuse, very sort of like hard to find or hard to read. Do they, they do exist? Um, But I was a very ambivalent child, a very, just didn't pick up on signals. (laughs) So I was just like, hey, let's be friends. Um, And yeah, the idea of like, oh, well, we can't talk because what would people say? You know, a little bit of what what I would have liked this film to kind of hammer down a little bit more on was, well, f*** him. Like basically just like, you know, deal with it. You know, you can be friends with who you want. And I feel like, again, if you were making this film today and there was that sort of like class structure thing, the end of this film would be that whole class structure being disassembled, basically. Um, at least that's what I hope it would be. Realistically, it, it probably wouldn't.
1: Look, they'd probably sing a song about it, uh, and then the <laughs> basketball people and the musical theatre people would all come together and do a big musical number with basketball. I haven't seen Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> and someone would, you know, bake for a you know, a hobby or something. I don't know. Someone yeah. might play a <laughs> upright stringed instrument yeah it's
0: yeah oh, i it just it just made me feel really gross when they were like yeah no we i don't think we can be friends on monday it's I, again true to the situation I thought it was really great that it was Claire that said that as well and yeah. spoke about that and then defended her position when people started calling her a bitch and she's going no I'm just that, that's what will happen it's just reality though. it's what we'll all do and the fact that that is the truth just made me really sad and angry at the same time
1: well she got called out for a lot of things that were not her fault like that were a systematic problem that yeah. she was pointing out while also aligning not quite aligning herself with but conforming to yeah um, you know, like, they had that whole conversation about, ooh, are you a, are you not a virgin? Mm. Um, and it was very much pointed out that that's a trap question mm. when you're a teenager, yeah. you know, especially for a, a woman.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that Claire has a lot of shit thrown at her. And you're right, it's thrown at her because of her class role. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost in being, as this film terms it, the princess, part of what you get as, like, you know, get some good, you get some bad. And part of the bad is that not many people actually really like you and that you're in a very bitchy social structure where there are all these unwritten rules, which Brian, who is so removed from that structure, is like, well, why can't we be friends? And she's like, because this, this, and this. And it's, again, very, very interesting that the film focuses on that and doesn't vilify Claire... For holding those beliefs because she knows them to be the reality of the world that she's in. And the film also points out where it's like, hey, she's getting shit on a lot and maybe that's bad. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's, yeah, that's really fascinating. It's just, it's a very well written film. Like, it, structurally, I guess, and in terms of characters, maybe not so much some of the language, but it's
1: yeah the way it bounces between the conversations because you know again you're mm. in a room for nine hours together mm. you're gonna have conversations that go back and forth you get sidetracked and then five hours later you're like remember you, that thing you said five hours ago that was a bit shit mm. and you know that's how that does happen when you're in the locked room scenario like you know if you ever been on camp together or you know something like that mm. or in an airplane your conversations go round in weird ways and it really, you know, signaled that, which was quite nice.
0: Mm. It just occurred to me that this film wouldn't work with other types of people. Like having those characters, the fact that none of them thought to just read a book when they were trapped in a library. That would have been me. Was, about halfway through the film, I went, yeah, I'd have just found a book and I would, I'd be, I'd be the sixth person in the film just <laughs> who's never, never talk. You're just like, Oh, you guys going to go smoke pot? Have fun. I'm, yeah. I'm reading um, Earth City.
1: In fact, that was me. Oh, okay. So teenage <laughs> me. Uh, so again, yeah, you know, I, I hung out with, you know, the druggie crew quite a bit. Um, and we'd have free periods. Um, and they'd be like, yeah, let's sneak off campus, or sort of off campus to like do pot or whatever. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Not today, Thanks. Or, oh, you know, because we were on the Murdoch University campus, let's go down to the uni and, like, get, get food from the Asian food van because mm. that was our cool hangout spot that was, you know, like, off campus, so we shouldn't have been there. And, like, every time I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. You guys have fun. I'll just sit under this tree and read. And every time I would do that, they would get caught. Mm. <laughs> and I'd just be sitting there like, I haven't done anything. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: so this film wouldn't work with you or me.
2: Georgia, maybe. I don't know. I'm too social to let it slide by when people are having fun. Yeah. (laughs) I was quite good at sticking to my morals. I, like, Mm. didn't, like you know cave i was very strong but Mm. i was still in the situation yeah Yeah. like i'd be like watching my friends getting up to no good Mm. and i'd be the one that was like holding back their hair when they were vomiting because they drunk too much you knew what was a bean till i turned 18 but still was like i'm here ready to have fun (laughs) you knew what was happening was wrong but you weren't going to stop it yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. you'd have helped in this (laughs) yeah you'd have been fine to be in the cast as less And
2: I just, I just been cleaning up around them, just like I'm watching it happen and being, yeah.
0: Like... Be like going, Al- Allison, you left all the tampons yeah. you sold. They're still here. So
2: many tampons. A lot. It was
0: mm. great, but w- weird. Well, you time.
1: never know what situation you find yourself in.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
1: Always be prepared.
0: Always got to be prepared. Would you guys like some trivia about the Breakfast Club? Please. Would we? Okay. Uh, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia is that the scene in which all the characters sit in a circle on the floor in the library and tell stories about why they were in detention was not actually scripted. They were given the beats, essentially, of what was going on in each of their characters' lives and what they had to get to, but they were told to ad-lib bit.
1: Nice. So th- there impressive.
0: Was, yeah, there was quite an improvisational Amazing. quality to a lot of this film, but that scene in particular, they went... Yeah, the 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 language that you as late teens slash people in your early 20s are going to be providing is going to be much closer to the real experience than me, John Hughes, middle-aged writer guy. So, and it, and it worked.
1: I mean, I remember sitting um, there during one of the big monologues going, yeah, that's a monologue. So, mm. you yeah, know, it worked quite well. Yeah. Uh,
0: Judd Nelson, who played John Bender, uh, tended to stay in character, even went off camera. Um, there's a lot of trivia, I'm going to say about john bender behaving like a real prick um just to everyone in general um and i say john bender not judd nelson because he was just being john bender uh, but it did involve he did bully molly ringwald quite a lot who played claire um partly because his character bullied her a lot for the first bit of the film
1: it's called acting you should try it sometime <laughs> yeah
0: and that's just it he was a bit method uh john hughes nearly fired him over this um but paul gleason who plays richard vernon you know bull horns guy um defended nelson saying uh, that he's a good actor and was trying to get into character i think leeson was probably just staying in character a <laughs> yeah. bit too much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> look he's a good actor okay if you want the actor you gotta keep the horns <laughs> yeah i know I, I actually did not include a lot of the the judd nelson stuff because there was so much of it like, yeah,
2: getting a character like that and being like, this is an excuse for me to behave badly on set is never a good time. No,
0: no it's not. And um, yes. Mm. However, there were some good things Judd Nelson did uh, in terms of the improv side of things. He improvised the bit of the film where he raised his fist in defiance. That was not in the script. Um, he was supposed to just walk into the sunset, basically. Um, and they did a couple of takes. And then in one of them, he just did the fist thing. Just went, I'm just going to do this. And they went, ah, oh, you're actually doing something. Let's let's use that, I guess.
1: Again, acting, who knew that that was a thing that would be good?
0: Yeah. It was originally suggested that there would be several sequels to this film occurring every 10 years in which The Breakfast Club would get back together. This did not come to pass. Due in part to the volatile relationship between John Hughes and Judd Nelson, uh, Hughes stated that he would never work with Nelson again. Also, it was unclear whether or not Hughes uh, still held ill will against uh, Molly Ringwald because they fell out a few years later when she decided to move on from the teen film genre and stop appearing in his films. So it would have just been... Emilio Estevez, um, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, and um, Ali, Ali Sheedy. Sheedy, which could have been fun. Road trip with those three could have been, could have I'm been interesting. I'm glad it didn't come
2: back. Yeah, I think it's... Needed to be standalone.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it works. There's it works no way it was going
2: to get better in the second time round. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, like Vernon's Revenge, where he's just like, <laughs> they're all working in their mid-twenties, and then he turns up going, it's time to look after me. I lost my job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <It> was imprisoned. <laughs>
0: Um, the dandruff that Alison, Ali Sheedy, shakes onto her pencil drawing for the snow effect was achieved by sprinkling parmesan cheese and not actual <laughs> dandruff cereal.
2: It was still question. gross. Yeah. Yeah. Parmesan cheese is almost worse. Yeah, to mm-hmm. be honest.
0: yeah Ali Sheedy um, did, however, really eat the sandwich that was filled with pixie stick dust and unrefined sugar. So Gross. Yeah. And she uh, put in as many crunchy things as possible to make the biggest crunch sound and committed, which was... Good, 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 committed filmmaking. Uh, The theme song, Don't You Forget About Me, I don't think you can say it, you have to sing it when it comes up, uh, was written for this film by Keith Forsey. It was a number one hit for Simple Minds, uh, who performed it. Billy Idol and Brian Ferry turned down offers to record it for the film uh billy idol did subsequently record a version of it for his greatest hits album in 2001 the song was also turned down by chrissy hind of the pretenders who then suggested they offer it to the band that was fronted by her husband which was simple minds
2: Mm.
0: and yeah kind of launched them into into the big time basically so and it's a good theme song
2: they got their money's worth they played it front and back yeah yeah book end of the film
0: yeah no it's a it's a weirdly good song uh, the soundtrack's pretty good for this film in general it's just just good work whoever yeah. was involved on that uh the ages of everyone at the time that principal filming happened molly ringwald was 16 uh, her 17th birthday was three days after the film's release uh emilio estevez was 23 uh anthony michael hall was also 16 now uh, he did look very baby-faced yeah. so yeah. yeah um ali sheedy was 23 and Judd Nelson was 25.
2: Yeah, he should, he have, it, he should yeah. have known he better was... than to pick on a 16-year-old on yeah. the car. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: even creepier yeah. in that context. Yeah.
0: yeah. Nobody says how old Principal Vernon was. On <laughs> um, Ali Sheedy had first auditioned for the part of Samantha Baker in Sixteen Candles back in 1984, uh, which was uh, the part that Molly Ringwald played mm. in that film. When she'd auditioned, she had two black eyes because uh, she'd been in a set building accident. Um, (laughs) The black eyes gave her a dark gothic image, which stayed with John Hughes. So when it came to cast the part of Alison, he remembered her and called her in. (laughs) So (laughs) she got the part because she had two black eyes from a set building accident, which is just brilliant. I mean, I'm very sorry to hear she had a set building accident that injured her, so... but. Yeah, I've never had to turn up to an audition with a black eye. The idea of turning up with two of them yeah is, It's a lot. It's like, look, trust me, this will be healed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Imagine me without these yeah. circles. Yeah,
0: imagine me with healed eyes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to audition. <laughs> um, Vernon is based on a wrestling coach from John Hughes's actual high school who flunked him in gym. I believe it. Uh... Hughes ran into uh, the coach some time later after this film was made, and his coach had seen the film, saying, it was really good, but the teacher was a real jerk. <laughs> Apparently he didn't pick up that it was an homage to, to him.
2: Oh, well, that sounds like teachers I had Yeah, once. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so saying, I'd believe it, that he's like, I can, yeah, mm. this is bad. Let me show people how it's bad. Mm.
0: The setting of the film, Shermer, Illinois, is a fictitious suburb of Chicago, which is the setting for... A lot of john hughes's films weird science ferris bueller's day off 16 candles pretty in pink and national lampoon's national lampoon's vacation (laughs) all take place in Shermer, illinois kind of like the mcu of the 80s Um, john hughes said getting the film greenlit by universal wasn't easy because the executives complained that there were no bare breasts no party scenes no guys drinking beer or or other things that they thought a teenage picture needed at that time
1: So the face I'm making right now is one of great concern Mm -hmm. and horror.
0: Have you ever seen the film Porky's? No. No, that doesn't surprise me. Funny that. Porky's had all of that in it and that was basically the whole film. And Porky's was one of like the iconic go-to teen films for quite some time in American culture. It was American Pie before American Pie, like 20 years earlier.
1: I didn't watch that either for some reason. I wonder why. And
0: so a lot of the teen films in the 1980s were... Porky's Butt. So it was like Porky's Butt set here, Porky's Butt this. Have they
1: ever considered that original ideas might be better?
0: Well, fiscally, those films always made money because they had the offer of, and I'll quote again, bare breasts, party scenes, and guys <laughs> drinking beer, uh, which are the three elements to any great film.
1: <laughs> Look, as my own teenage self, I can't think of any situation where that occurred. Mm. So...
2: Can't relate. (laughs) Georgia, you're making...
0: (laughs) Well, you're not making a lot of noise, but you're looking sus. I
2: went to a lot of high school parties, Mm. which were like with my friends, so Tamer. But, you know, we weren't having pill-popping Fridays like some of the other kids that I went to school with before their parties. Mm. But I saw photos from those parties.
0: You saw guys drinking beer.
1: (laughs) I went to maybe one or two of those sorts of parties where, you know, there was beer or UDLs or whatever.
0: Yeah. But yeah, John Hughes trying to get this film made. Had that issue where, yeah, the executives were like, "I don't know these these kids in a school environment." These
2: kids in this library did, don't want to get their tits. Did they now? get
0: it? Did we see tits? Did
2: and
1: we... some of these actresses were underage, so mm-hmm. how about we talk about that underwear scene?
0: Well, I was going to bring that up. Is I do wonder whether or not the one very sudden crotch shot we get from John Bender's perspective when he's hiding under the table of Claire's uh, knickers was John Hughes having to. And I'm, I've thought the throw, so I'm going to say it. Throw a bone to the executives. I mean, that's John, gross. I seem to remember it was it Sixteen Candles with the whole subplot about stealing the knickers.
2: I can't remember. There I've only a, seen Sixteen Candles like half once.
0: There was a John Hughes film where there is an entire subplot about some teenage boy trying to steal some knickers from like the hot girl in school so at like a prom or something as like a dare. And I I, I can't remember which one it was, but there was like a running theme of knickers in in these films, which, Sarah, yeah, the face you're making is probably, does more than words can say, which is unfortunate because this is an audio podcast.
1: As you keep reminding me, next time take a photo or something.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, that knickers shot was incredibly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming they shot that either with an adult or a mannequin <laughs> or basically just not someone who was 16. Yeah. But I'm assuming out of a place of hope, I, I don't actually know how they achieved that scene. I
1: don't know. The implications are just icky. Yeah. No matter what they did.
0: Yeah. But still, at least there weren't guys drinking beer. Oh wait, no, they were. They were in <laughs> they the were, basement. They
2: were just in the basement. I wonder if that was his little, yeah. like, <laughs> he was like, people drinking beer.
0: We can have, a nice chat between the head teacher and the, the janitor. janitor they can drink beer. That's
2: why the janitor's there. They just needed a beer drinking scene. <laughs> they needed yeah, they needed
0: somebody else who was legally allowed to drink this <laughs> yeah. because the parents couldn't do it because they were driving. They were driving. They could yeah, yeah they were dropping off the kids. So, I yeah. mean
1: they they referenced the adults drinking in their stories about how shitty their home lives were. Mm.
0: Alright, John, <laughs> you can make your film but there better be a weird knicker shot. <laughs> Uh, finally, Rick Moranis was originally cast to play the janitor. Sorry. No, no, that's that's just the Rick Moranis alarm <laughs> that goes off at <laughs> the first time we mention him in any uh, any episode. Um, he grew a thick beard and had decided to play the character with a Russian accent. John Hughes planned to let Moranis reinterpret the character from how he was written in the script, but the producer, Ned Tannen, so vehemently opposed Moranis' comical cari- uh, creative liberties that he had Rick replaced with John Kapalos, who plays him in the film. So the producer was like, basically did a Monty Python and went, no, no, this is far too silly, and just (laughs) booted him off.
1: I mean, all these stories about producers and the way they make changes in films or insist on, you know, Mm. certain things in films makes me wonder, like, who gave them creative control? They never do anything good in a film. The money gave them creative control.
0: Did you want to see Rick Moranis with a beard?
1: Not particularly, but like... (laughs)
0: What are you doing in confidential <laughs> file? Because like, that's what the accident yeah. would have been.
1: Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd prefer that to the Nikka shot.
0: The Nikka shot would have still yeah, been it's there. Still would have been. It's just the janitor. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's like we either have Rick Morales or a knicker <laughs> shot, one or the other. I don't think that's how it works. Oh, look, this has been uh, a really fun film uh, to to go and and sift through so i just want to thank the audience for choosing it uh, at the the um audience vote which uh, took place uh, and if you want to vote in those films why go over to our facebook page while he's doing the plugs before the scores yeah i can mix it up Ooh. dad can be fun sometimes <laughs> uh yes uh we can dad? be found yeah, yeah. I'm, P- I'm podcast daddy that's my new nickname <laughs> says <who? laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start yeah mess with the bull you get the horns Gross. talk to the daddy you get the quality content that's no okay i'll drop it i just thought podcast daddy was a nice innocent term sure pop daddy <laughs> no okay i won't keep it <laughs> but if you want to uh find out information vote on polls and that kind of thing uh, we can be found over on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club there we also have our patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash CCEC podcast for extra bonus features and goodies and of course we can be subscribed to on itunes soundcloud spotify wherever you get your podcast from and now it's time to score the film sarah it was your first time watching the breakfast club uh what score would you give this film out of 10
1: look obviously i had many problems with this film But I also enjoyed a few aspects of it. Uh, So I think I'm going to give it um, five bits of baloney on a statue out of ten. That's
2: what I was going
1: (laughs) to (laughs) say. Nailed it.
0: Okay, well, you've got to think of something else, Georgia.
1: (laughs) Think, think, think.
0: And what what score would you give this film out of ten? I'm just
2: trying to think about but to score <laughs> it with, I really was good, so good sure that no one else was going to say it it's like my favourite image <laughs> of the film just the
0: way it falls off good it. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear it you just hear it off to the side of the camera when Ali Sheedy's looking at it it's just <laughs> great
2: Um, I will give this film six and a half a tiny bento box uh, sushi with soy sauce <laughs> bottles. <laughs> nice. I love it. Quick,
0: she needs to be pretentious. How do we show it? Ghetto sushi. Get her a bento box. Yeah,
2: which nowadays I think
0: would be considered quite normal. It's quite but, normal, yeah. but for the mid '80s, that that was pretty.
1: Just go down
2: to Woolies, strange. grab some there. Like, she also got it out of a Tiffany and Co. bag, which mm-hmm. is just like. Yeah, I didn't know Tiffany and
0: Co. did sushi, but there we go. <laughs> um, for me, I I'm really actually quite impressed with how how good the performances were in this film. I think we. We did talk about the acting a little bit, but I think the acting is very good. Um, I think they do a really, really good job with this, and it's it's a fun watch. It's a bit of a difficult watch at times. It gets a bit weird. Maybe more to do with when it was made than what it's talking about. But it's it's still it's very compelling. I, I found it really compelling, and I really enjoyed watching it. So uh, I'm going to give it seven shared diamond earrings out of ten. <laughs> so gross. I know. Like-
1: Get the spray yeah, yeah. on it. Like, <laughs> they ugh. were so
0: gross though. Yeah. They were like, like the fact he hocked up a loogie and caught it in his own mouth. Ah, don't that, remind me of that. And the dandruff and the mm. the thing. I can't even make the noise Ali Sheedy was making where she was like biting her nails, but it was making like an unholy loud clicking yeah. noise. It was
1: kind of amusing actually that at the same time she was doing that, I was clicking my wrists, making the exact same noise. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Hey, it's me.
0: Yeah. No, it was, it's yeah. A fascinating film though. Um, and thank you dr sarah and georgia for watching it with me
1: thank you it was good fun
0: and for those of you listening at home thank you for joining us uh next month which starts next week but next (laughs) month uh just a little announcement to let you know we're doing something a little bit different we're having a themed month and uh, we've done theme months before uh as i said you know earlier podcast dad Podcast dad, not podcast dad. Yeah, I that's figured, really that's where the difference nice. was I, I figured out the difference now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. pod dad. Uh, occasionally busts out a theme month. Um, and the theme month the next month is Robin Hood. That's right. We are doing an entire month of films about Robin Hood. Uh, so... Um, you know what the film poll is going to be about in a, in a couple of uh, in a couple of weeks time, but yes. Yeah, so if you're a fan of all things Sherwood Forest, um, it, we have a hand raised from Doctor. Yeah, Sarah. yeah,
1: Stephen. I've got to put this out there. Yeah. Like as a kid. I had, like, two things I was obsessed with, mm-hmm. Arthurian Legends and Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all of the Robin Hoods in my DVD cupboard. Yeah,
0: we, 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 I think we got that from the fact you stayed in the library instead of <laughs> hanging out at the Asian food band. Like, we, we got, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I hung out with my history teacher in the mm. library talking about Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, so... I have to be on at least one of these. You would like to be on at least one? Yes. I am a huge Robin Hood fan. Okay, good to
0: know. Georgia, (laughs) have you got any burning desire for the... I
1: really
2: like Robin Hood Men in Tights. (laughs) I can quote that entire film. Like, it is the best.
0: Yes, well, uh, I think you might be fighting quite a few people for Men in Tights, (laughs) which will be one of the films we are doing. Yes. Yes, yes. so to find out what other films we're going to be doing, you'll just have to wait until... Next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, to find out the episodes as they are released. So uh, look forward to that. If you have any Robin Hood based fandom, I don't know information. Anyone met him? I don't know. Any anything like that? <laughs> in my dreams. Uh, send it to uh, to us over on Facebook, as mentioned before, or get in touch with us. Uh, I don't know. Carry a pigeon. See if you can find me. <laughs> Whatever. Just Check just the let let us know your Robin Hood love, um, or or not love. If you're a certain sheriff of a certain. <laughs> Township in England and you're not a fan of him <laughs> <laughs> you can also get in touch uh, but yes Robin Hood month starts next week, which uh hopefully will be a lot of fun, but that is all for this week so until next time, just walking off into the sunset with my fist in the air yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. 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 I can't put the actual music in because <laughs> of rights issues don't Do, you Forget about me dun, dun, oh, dun, 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 dun. I've actually got my arm in the air. It's... God,
1: this is an audio format. See so what are you doing?
0: Dun, 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 dun. I don't know the words <laughs> except for the ones at the start, which are, Don't you forget about me. I'll have faded this out by now.